This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. Thank you so much for being here with the with me this evening. We're going to start out this segment with a caller. We have Kelly from Richmond, British Columbia. Hello, Kelly. Hello, Maureen. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm wonderful. I just want to start by saying I love your show. Oh, that's so sweet. You sound like such a chipper person. Oh, thank you. I was talking so to my brother. I was talking to my brother tonight, and we were saying how we don't like people that are moody, <laughs> and no, you don't sound like does, a moody right? person. Well, I, I no. think maybe moody people like moody people. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we don't. We don't hang out with them. No, I don't either. Absolutely not. We try to avoid them like the plague. Exactly. Um, hey, I have a question, question for you. Sure. I heard um, you said you were going to be talking about gut health tonight. Hmm. Well, I recently heard that there's a connection between your gut and your brain. There, is this true? There's, there certainly is. Yes, there is actually something called the gut-brain axis or the GBA. And that is okay. a bi-directional communication that is actually between your central nervous system and the enteric nervous system. And so your emotional and cognitive centers of your brain are actually, you know, there's a direct line to your peripheral intestinal function. So what you eat may in fact, I mean, interesting that we say that, may in fact affect your mood or your cognition or your cognitive health. So there's, okay. a, there's a big tie, actually. Is there a particular concern that you have? Are you, um, are, you know... No, but now that you said I was happy, maybe sugar makes me happy because that's definitely my vice. Well, there are always outliers. It's my vice too. (laughs) But you know what? Apparently it's not great for us as I don't know if you were listening earlier, but um, there is, of course, the risk of of obesity and type adult type two diabetes. So, um, you know, sugar does also turn into fat. It's stored as fat in the body and it's every bit as addictive as, as heroin's some people say. Oh, yeah, I would believe that. Yeah, so you, do you eat turkey or other things that contain tryptophan? I do eat turkey, yeah, oh. just mostly at, you know, Easter and Christmas. Oh, well, but. you might want to increase that, especially if you're having a lot of sugar, because that actually turns into serotonin, and that's what antidepressants target. So, you know, theoretically, perhaps turkey or other foods that contain tryptophan may actually increase your... Um, your mood, which you sound like you have a great mood anyway, so you, you got to be doing something. I'm not sure what you're doing, but you're doing something. <laughs> you're doing something right, but it's a great, it's a great subject. You know, sugar is, you know, it's, it's just a bandit and it can just rob us of, of lives and it can seriously um, and lead to imbalances like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and also candida, which is a type of yeast infection. And those can actually trigger brain damaging inflammation. So that's dementia, Alzheimer's. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That is, yeah, no, that is very interesting. I appreciate that information. Oh, well, you're very welcome. And it's the chronicity. So it's that long-term sugar addict, you know, and sugar's in everything. If you look at, you know, breads and, you know, even fruits and vegetables it's in. So there's low glycemic and and high glycemic and moderate glycemic. So. Okay. Okay. So we're just going to start to limit this a little bit. Just a moderate, you know, live life in moderation. (laughs) Maybe a lot. I would actually have to limit it. I do have to limit it a lot. Yeah, I, love I know. It. Well, now, now that I've spoken with you, I think that I might have to look into that too. Because actually, I remember you had said something one time about a low glycemic diet and 
it had sparked some interest in, in me. And I haven't gotten around to trying it yet, but I feel like it's um, something that I'm going to need to try. Yeah, it's really good. You get a lot of energy. Uh, I, I do live that way when I get off of my chocolate and sweets. And I mean, I love sweets too. I have a sweet tooth. But, you know, I had a patient in my clinical practice this week, Kelly, and I was just delighted. Uh, you know, he did eat a lot of sugar and, you know, in, in all of his diet and all sorts of things. And, and mm-hmm. But one thing, he ate out all the time, which a lot of people eat out all the time. And, okay. um, and so he stopped eating out and for one week and he dropped six pounds just by making that small change oh in his goodness. life. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing and yeah. impressive. And very impressive. And he was supercharged. He was oh, actually so great. elated. He was so happy. And he noticed, you know, there was a bit more of a spring in his step. He looked different. Like, it was fantastic. He had some other things, other treatments as well, like the Kegel Throne. Yeah. But, you know, he, and, um, okay. but, you know, things are, things are looking up for him. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay, okay. Well, I think uh, I'm going to have to find that. Do you have that online somewhere? I, I can actually email it to you. I'm happy okay. to email my all-in diet to anybody. That's uh, okay. All-in diet. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Oh, yes. I'm excited. Aww. I'm excited. Oh, well, thank you so much for answering my question. Well, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it, Kelly. No problem. Take Aww. care. Enjoy your evening. Thank you. You too. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. I love chipper people like that. Uh, Andrew, you and I share that little, I didn't even say hello to you this evening, but we share that little sugar love, don't we? We love it. I don't actually like, I used to maybe, but oh, I, I, I cut sugar when I was in my last year of high school. We were talking about chocolate for a half an hour before the show Because I was talking about how much I love the 80 and 90% dark chocolate that nobody buys. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't yeah, like see, that. See, nobody does. I don't like that at all. No, but you, but like, it, it, I like it because it, it's bitter enough that I don't just eat it in one sitting. That's true. Yeah. Well, anyway, sugar's not my <laughs> friend and I'm all, way better off of it, but uh, but. It is good. I do love milk chocolate. Anyway, feel oh. free. Send me a box of Purdy's. That's, that's, like that's a twice a year kind of thing for me, just in, like gorging myself on milk chocolate. That's like a... Exactly. <sighs> anyway, we're going to move on and we're going to talk about anxiety and how to deal with that. Chocolate is not the answer. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. We've got lots to talk about on the program tonight. Um, I do have a caller on the line. Leanne from Kelowna, British Columbia is on the line. Hello, Leanne. Hey there. How are you? I'm okay. Oh, fine. Thank you. What's your question? Well, I'm just wondering about um, what age kind of, um, you know, when when my husband can't get get an erection happens about well it actually can happen at any time at, at during any decade of life of course it's not as common in the younger years but you know there's a, sort of a guideline that says 40% of men the age of 40 um, have some degree of erectile dysfunction uh, how how long has this been going on um uh, kind of getting worse over the last years or so. And, and how old is he? He just turned 48. 48. And yeah. um, is he a smoker? No. No. Is he pretty pretty healthy guy? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like super athletic, yeah. Super athletic. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, does he watch an excessive amount of porn? Uh, I hope not. Um, maybe <laughs> a little bit, but I'm I hope not. Just let the cat out of the bag. All guys view porn. But anyway, uh, maybe there's one or two out there that don't. Um, And uh, so he's pretty healthy. He's 48. How long have you been together? Oh, my gosh. 
like 20 plus years. And, and is he pretty embarrassed about it or is he? I'm kind of a little nonchalant. Like I'm a little worried about what it might mean, but um, yeah, and I don't um, really know how to bring it up. So what? Yeah, you you want to bring it up? I get it. Um, no, what? Uh, <laughs> you gave me that one, Leanne. <laughs> now, um, you said he's pretty athletic. What what does he do for um, um, sports? He's a lot of, of weight. He's also like a big um, cyclist, like a cycler. Is he a road? A is he a road biker? Road bikes and dirt bikes and motorcycles. Oh wow! So he's sitting on the seat a lot, is he? Oh uh, yeah. Yes. And so that actually can lead to decreased sensation and um, it can and it may lead to erectile dysfunction in some men because it's about erections are about blood flow and and genital sensation. And when you're you've got pressure on that area on on your seat, basically, um, it it actually I've seen that quite a bit. And and in fact, um, I had an email from somebody because I I either wrote a blog or I mentioned it on the radio. I'm not really sure. And somebody emailed me and they wrote cycling, but like five question marks afterward. And yes, cycling can actually lead to a particular form of uh, ED, which is Peyronie's disease, where there's a bend in the penis. So you want to watch out for that. But there's lots of treatments um, for your husband at the age of 48. Um, there's particular seats that he can buy. Um, for his bike, especially for his road bike and his mountain bike. I'm not so sure about the dirt bike, <laughs> but okay. um, check that out. Okay. Uh, so there's a particular seat that actually alleviates some of that pressure. Um, also, ask at the store about that? Yeah, yeah. Know? I would actually go into um, one of the biking shops and ask about mm-hmm. it, or you can look online even. I can't think of the name of them. They have a particular name. Um, but it, it alleviates the pressure, so it's a, a particular design. Um, also, as long as he's you know eating healthily and not consuming too much alcohol or eating a high glycemic index diet, um, and then, of course, we also have uh, the Kegel Throne is available, which is a uh, electromagnotherapy, and that can, you know, uh, I have it in my clinical practice, and and guys often report fairly immediately. And I don't know if he has decreased sensation in the genitalia, but they're reporting um, improved sensation and better blood flow, leading to better erection. So it's something he wants to get on r- pretty quickly, though. You don't want to let something like that go, and it can be really embarrassing for men. But there's no shame in it. Okay. Well. Great. I mean, I'll start with the bike seat and see how he does with, with that. Yeah, yeah. And just have a. Have you had a conversation with him about it? You said he's pretty. Uh, you know, like it's trying. You know, it's hard. It's hard to mention. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a very sensitive subject. It, it really. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't want to make him embarrassed. So. You don't want you what? Know. Sorry. I don't want him to be embarrassed, and uh, I don't know. Like I, I you know, want to make sure he's not fooling around on me or something. So it pro- it's probably know. not a sign of that. You know, when men get erectile dysfunction, it's, it's a pun intended. It's hard for them to talk about. Um, you know, it's a very challenging subject. It's highly, highly embarrassing for them. And, and a lot of men don't seek treatment as a result. But I can tell you, I've been treating men with erectile dysfunction in my clinical practice with conservative measures, mainly, because a lot of them can't tolerate the medications. And I think there's a lot of other conservative measures your husband can try before one of the PDE5 inhibitors, um, because they have significant side effects. Um, but men are, deli- they are elated 
when they have treatment for erectile dysfunction. And there's so many, so many different options. You can feel free to email me and I can, and I can send you um, information about anything that we just talked about. Okay, that's really great. I really, I thank you really very much. Okay. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Cool. Thanks right. for calling. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye. All right. Take care. You know, it takes a strong person to call in about a question as sensitive as that. And here it is, you know, what sounds to be a healthy man in his prime. And, you know, because of a sport potentially, or there, there may be other things as well. I mean, it's difficult to do a sexual health assessment over the airwaves. God knows I try. Um, but uh, it's best to see somebody in their office um, to have a proper sexual health assessment. And, you know, when I assess men who have erectile dysfunction, I mean, I leave no stone unturned. And it is a full-on assessment review of their medications, you know, their blood pressure, abdominal girth, um, measure everything, you know, asking about their lifestyle. I provide them with an all-in diet, which is low glycemic index, um, you know, just little tweaks, in fact, of their lifestyle, get them to move, get them to start exercising, because oftentimes these guys are overweight. Um, And then that is a vicious cycle, because they start with the a bit of the, they maybe gain a little bit of weight, they advance in age, they, um, you know, are sedentary, they might get depressed, then they get embarrassed, they don't want to go out on the dating scene, they don't even want to, you know, be with their wives. It's a difficult conversation often men tell me to even have with their wives because they're so embarrassed about it because, you know, they feel like it is a a blow to their manhood. But, you know, it's a medical condition and it will it will only get worse. And it doesn't matter what your age is. Sexuality is important and, and you deserve good, strong erections for your whole life. Um, you heard it here on the Sunday Night Health Show. <laughs> and if you're anxious about it, well, I've got some tips for you. Um, and if you're anxious about anything um, in life, but you know what, you want to take a time out. You know, if you're upset or nervous about something, maybe you've got a big job interview coming up, or maybe you're going to meet somebody that you've found on Tinder or whatever. Um, you know, there's always, it's always a good thing to take a pause. If you're getting angry with somebody or just upset about something that happened, hit the pause button, take time out, practice yoga, listen to music, meditate, get a massage. Stepping back from the problem helps to clear your head. It's so important, and I say this so much on this show, eat well-balanced meals. I try to as well. It's not easy. And, you know, it's hard for me sometimes, you know, I'm so busy and sometimes, uh, but I try and keep that balance. But don't skip any meals because you're, you know, you may start to get hungry and you may actually, you know, not be at your prime, not be on your game. And you want to kind of keep some energy boosting snacks in your desk, uh, trying to make sure that that energy boosting snack isn't alcohol (laughs) or caffeine. Um, I'm not a total teetotaler, but I have to say anything in moderation. Alcohol and caffeine can both aggravate anxiety and trigger panic attacks. This is critical. Get your sleep. And if you are not sleeping, get up early, really early in the morning, Exercise right away, an hour. You need to 
do an hour of exercise a day, you need to get your heart rate up above 120 beats per minute for at least 20 minutes to have an impact on your health. And when you are stressed, your body needs, you might think you need sex, but your body actually needs additional sleep and rest. Guys want sex when they're stressed. Women don't. Generally, um, there's always outliers. Exercise every single day. That helps you feel good and helps you to maintain good health. Take deep breaths. Inhale in your nose, out your mouth. That's what I always suggest to people. Count to 10. Walk away. These are all things because oftentimes it's other people that drive us crazy. And so we get very upset and we may say the wrong thing. We may say something in the heat of the moment. You want to just... Take a chill pill. It's it's not real. Um, but do your best. And also, instead of aiming for perfection, speaking of doing your best, perfection is not possible. So be happy that you've put in the effort because I always give A for effort. And I love comeback kids as well because, you know, we've, we've all failed. We've all fallen. And to those of us who've picked ourselves up, give yourself a big pat on the back. I am doing it myself right now. Except that you cannot control everything. I said to somebody, I say it all the time in my office, but I said, you know, know the things that you can control, the things you can't, and the wisdom to know the difference. And put your stress in perspective. Is it a first world problem? If you think about it, oftentimes in, in North America, these are first world problems. Is it really as bad as you think? And you know what? A good laugh goes a long way. And so laughter is truly the best medicine. There's nothing like a belly aching laugh and you know a great joke or just somebody with a great sense of humor, which is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Always maintain a positive attitude. Try and be positive. Make an effort to replace those negative thoughts with positive ones. Get involved. Doing something for someone else. I was listening to a TED Talk recently. It's not just what you do for someone else. It's actually the activities that you do for somebody else that, that matters because you can actually volunteer or find a way to be active in your community, but it may not be what you need to make you feel better. And believe me, money is not going to make your life better. In fact, I heard Lorne um, Seagal speak at the Courage to Come Back Awards this week um, where I attended, and he said that when he was six years old, he asked his father if uh, money brought you happiness. And the father said, you know, money's good. And that's the truth. You know, money makes life easier, but money or things externally will never do for you what you need on the inside. And so, you know, it's not those external things that you need to make you happy on the inside. They never will. Also learn what triggers your anxiety and try and avoid that. Well, if it's work, you can't really avoid it. Family, you can't avoid it. School, these are things that trigger anxiety for people. But if you identify it, learn some strategies, get some help, go to a counselor, talk to somebody, tell friends and family if you're feeling overwhelmed, let them know how they can help you. You know, speak to your doctor. I mean, there's lots of things out there. Email me if you'd like any other other um, tips on this. I have some fitness tips I can send to you if you like to help you remain healthy and manage your stress. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Health Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. I have Sally from Calgary, Alberta on the line. Hello, Sally. Hello, Sally. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Wonderful. Yeah, my question, I was just wondering, like, what are some um, 
of your recommendations for meeting a great partner. I've been on Tinder for forever, and I've, I'm just not having any luck. I would love to hear any of your suggestions. Oh, wow. So is that the only thing you've been doing, being on Tinder? Are you doing anything else? No, just Tinder, the dating apps, that's it. Right. And, and so do you, um, do you work at the moment? Yes, and yes do you, I do work. And yes. do you drive to work? Yeah, I drive to work. Okay, yeah. I think the gas prices are pretty high in, in Calgary as well. Um, but would you consider going on the bus, or, or are you close enough that you could walk, or or do you stop at a particular coffee shop on the way, or or can you? Like those are different ways to meet different people. Okay, uh, yeah, I could possibly maybe consider taking the bus or walking every once in a while. Yeah, and, and shaking it up a little bit. I also say accept every single invitation you get to go anywhere. <laughs> Every one? Every one of them. Because you know, okay, for example, I went to the Courage to Come Back Awards this week in Vancouver, British Columbia. I was invited mm-hmm. to go, and then I was given an extra ticket, and I invited a friend of mine. She happens to be divorced recently. And mm-hmm. so there were 1,700 people there. <laughs> Oh, wow. And so I kind of walked her like one side of the room and then the other. And then, you know, because she would have loved to have met somebody. Right. She didn't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people I was saying to her, people are those guys are looking at you. And she wasn't believing me. But and she said she's terrible about that. She has her head in the clouds. And so oftentimes women will have their head in the clouds and they don't even notice when somebody is attracted to them. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's, it's also being mindful and being aware of what's around, you know, what's around you or who's around you. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of guys, uh, and is it a man that you're interested in meeting or, or a woman? Yes. For a man. Yes. Man. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, we think that men have all this confidence, right? They, they, that they have this sexual prowess that they, you know, give off, you know, but they don't, they, they actually are nervous about meeting people. They want to meet the right person as well. So they don't have this uber confidence, around this either. So, um, you know, so it's also something else too, which I think is maybe a little old school, but Mm -hmm. if somebody wants to fix you up, take them up on that or, or tell your friends, I want to meet somebody, you know, do you have a friend or a brother or whatever, you know, put out a little, uh, public service announcement (laughs) about your desire. (laughs) <laughs> Let people know. You know, if you stay on Tinder, Tinder's quite addictive and any of those dating apps are quite addictive and you know, it's and oftentimes, you know, people just want sex on those. And I assume you're looking for sex in a relationship as well. I'm looking for sex in a relationship, but I just yeah, I just that's the thing to do now. Go online and go on those apps. Right. But there yeah. is more than the apps. And, you know, a lot of people get a big disappointment from the apps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so I would say let people know you're interested, shake up your routine a little bit, attend, you know, political events are fantastic. I know you've had a bit of uh, poli- politics going on in Alberta recently. Yeah we, our, yeah, we just had our election. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there were, I'm certain, lots of events leading up to that. And oftentimes there's more men at those events than, than women. I, I was actually invited to speak one time. For some reason, it was a political event. And not that I'm political. I was, I don't know, the politicians wanted to learn a little bit about sex. Anyway, <laughs> so I thought it was a women's event. And it turned up and it was like 80%, like, no, 90% men, honestly, all in suits. So, oh, okay. You know, okay, thank you. I often thank think you. that's a good one. But, you know, just, just head out. Don't stay home. Don't get addicted to Netflix. And, uh, and maybe take a break from Tinder as well. 
Yeah, I'll take I'll take some time off and then I'll retry. I'll try the bus and walking and all yeah. the just yeah. be more aware. Let me know how you make out. I'd like to know Perfect. if any of the strategies worked. Okay, thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, Sally. Have- uh, you know, when you do meet that right person, and you will, because there is a lid for every pot out there, <laughs> people will tell you exactly who they are. So it's up to you to listen. Now, you could just be so overwhelmed with being in love. You could be in love with love that you may deny that. So if, if somebody tells you that they're usually in a bad mood or they don't treat waitresses well or service people well, they don't leave a tip in a hotel room or they don't know how to be monogamous, listen to what they're saying because you're going to have troubles in your relationship. And, and if you think you can change them, you absolutely cannot. You can never change anybody else. You can only change yourself. This is one of my favorite um, pieces of advice for, that I've found in my research. Take a test drive. Now, you might be interpreting that as something entirely different, but no, I actually mean go for like a four to six, eight-hour drive with your intended. You will face difficulties along the way. And whatever difficulties you may have with them will make themselves obvious during that ride. So this is, test is not a test for the faint of heart or those with heart conditions. But you know what? Spend some time. But also always look for somebody who's kind and loving. And make sure you're seeing the person um, you know, that somebody that you can talk to, because that may be all you have left at the end of the day. So be certain that you have some things in common, like the basics, because it's very difficult to be in a relationship with, with someone who has spiritual differences or, or can be, it's not necessarily, but political differences, especially today. So pay attention to all of those things and, um, good luck out there. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday night health show on the chorus radio network. First and foremost, we're going to take a call from Evelyn from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Hello, Evan. Evelyn. Hi. Um, this is this is embarrassing for me, but I've been dealing with this for like many years. I'm 48 years old, and I have I have issues like I have a high sex drive, and I I have like you know. Will, ready and willing to go if I have a partner, right? But when I when I'm halfway through, it feels like I'm having a heart attack. So you have uh, a high sex drive, but uh, anxiety during uh, yeah. intercourse. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to make sure, have you gone to your doctor uh, and had a complete physical exam, lab work, been ruled out for hormonal imbalances, hyperadrenalism, um, various impulse control disorders, bipolar yes, disorder? Yes. The only thing that I have is hypothyroidism. You have hypothyroidism. Yeah, yeah. And, and is that being treated? Uh, yes, that's that's being treated. And are you um, seeing this in any other aspect of your life, like in your in your daily life? Are you seeing other um, symptoms of anxiety? Is the medication the correct dose? Is it working I have, for you? I have on occasion when I need it, I take um, anxiety uh, lorazepam. Um, only when I need it, though, when I'm having you know experiencing you know high levels of anxiety. Right. And, yeah, and the weirdest thing is, is when I'm on that drug, yeah. the sex is amazing. Okay, because you're able to be more vulnerable. You're more relaxed. Yeah. Um, you know, a sexual health assessment would be really important. Looking back at your history, sometimes um, a trauma has occurred or there have been unwanted sexual advances. Um, um, I actually had, I was actually uh, raped uh, 
three years ago, and I had a panic attack halfway through there, too. I'm so sorry for you. (laughs) Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm still dealing with those emotions wrapped around that. Of course you are, and it's not uncommon that... Now, is this something that has occurred since that rape? Um, Actually... Yeah, actually, it has. When I was when I was um, um, experience, um, um, introduced to a new partner, right? So you didn't yeah. have it prior to the rape. Yeah, this is what's so horrible about sexual abuse and unwanted sexual advances and rape. I mean, it's just so traumatizing. And I mean, I don't, I, I cannot diagnose you. Of course, I'm a registered nurse, but yeah. but I can lead you in a certain direction. And oftentimes, after a trauma like that, um, many people experience complex post traumatic stress disorder. I didn't know that. Yeah, and and so oftentimes people are given the wrong medication, and I, you know, to be honest with you, um, you're taking lorazepam or Ativan um, every now and again. That may not be the healthiest thing for you. So it's oh, often, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and it's highly addictive, and it's also better to try and deal with some deal with this through cognitive behavioral strategies. Get a very good counselor. Um, and, you know, to try and actually um, also using some breathing techniques, meditation has been shown to change the structure of the brain, taking excellent care of yourself, but really trying to find, speaking to your doctor about um, complex PTSD. In fact, if you email me, I will email you some information how uh, many okay. people oh, are yeah, misdiagnosed. Off, off I can get that detail, yeah. but um, um, the, situ- the situation is with, with all the therapy stuff, to, you know, stuff wrapped around that. Yep. I'm I'm working on that. It's it's just the waiting period of having to get all of my information and stuff like that. But you know, it is it is what it is. But I, this is new information that I haven't heard before. Oh well, this I'm, is, this I'm, is really good. I'm glad. You know what? Bark up every tree, and you know, really take good care of yourself. And of course, being in a trusting relationship since something like that is also critical um, because you're you know you may be experiencing you know some subconscious fear or, you know, some women experience flashbacks or, you know, it, it really alters um, people's lives and, and they and they really need help. Um, I, I so thank, thank you so much because you have given me a little bit of hope and actually gave me some new information. So off the air, your, your offer, whoever takes care will be able to give me your information. He will, he will. That's okay, Andrew. great. Thank you so much. You're okay, so welcome. You. All Thanks. right. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. You're welcome. I also have Daniel on the line. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Maureen. I'm a big fan of the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> so nice I of you to say, say. I listen all the time, but I've, uh, I'm calling with a little bit of an issue that I'm dealing with. Okay. Go for it. Uh, to put it bluntly, I, I think I'm in a relationship with a narcissist, but I, you know, it's been a very long-standing relationship, and I do really love her. And I don't know if I should leave or if I even want to leave. So I was hoping, uh, do you have any general advice or tips for dealing with a narcissist or or narcissistic tendencies? Yeah, um, it's challenging to be in a relationship with a narcissist. First of all, for the viewers who don't, may not understand what narcissism is or narcissists are, they are people that are in love with themselves. Um, That's sort of that conventional wisdom. But that may or may not be 
um, the pathological narcissist. So it's, it's really kind of all about them, but they are actually in love with an idealized self image. And so they project that to avoid their real wounded self. So it's good to have some, some compassion around the fact that this person is a, a narcissism, a, a narcissist, because it, if you, address any issue from a place of compassion, you're likely to be more successful. And it's hard to be in a relationship, I imagine, because they don't particularly care for anyone but themselves. And sometimes they manipulate and lie. Do you find that, Daniel? I find that oftentimes she has a lot of problems. and, And in those problems, I try my best to be compassionate and really understand the root of the cause and be there for her. But it seems that in discussing those problems oftentimes it's almost like I'm being gaslighted like it comes around and it starts to be like my fault or I'm involved with the issue that it might be with her work or, or something else so, so yeah I definitely agree it's, it's something that I've really been struggling with for for uh, how to exactly approach it because I don't want to just shut off and be cold um, I still want to help her with her problems but it seems that no matter what way that I, I get into it it always ends up being about me yeah, and gaslighting, that is a classic symptom as well, Daniel. And so do you also find, though, that um, if you have a problem, she doesn't necessarily care about your feelings? Uh, it's For that, that's part of the reason that I'm, I'm hesitant to, I was hesitant to initially identify her as a narcissist, because for a while it seemed that, you know, it was still the original her there, that she was ready to help me with things. But there's been a few times that it's it's turned into being about her. I can't say it's been pathological, but uh, really the problem is, has always been when, when she starts to turn her, her problems on me. That's right. when I really start to struggle. Right. Well, this is the thing, you know, and, and you may have noticed this at the beginning of the relationship, but narcissistic personalities are charming. They can be so charismatic yes. and they, they use you to boost their own self-esteem. You have to remember that, but they make you feel special um, initially. That's and, exactly how I feel. Yeah. And they were, they're initially thriving off of your gratification, but once they lose interest, you know, that, and they also typically have a grandiose personality. So they're larger than life. And once they lose interest and you see their real self, then the negative emotions come out, the manipulation comes out, the entitlement, the boundary violator, they tend to break rules, they interrupt conversations. Do you find any of those occurring in your relationship? Yeah, I actually, I actually can't identify with that. I, I found one of the things that initially attracted me to her was she was very spontaneous and, and it was exciting. And as you said, it was very kind of larger than life. But lately, I think uh, that has been kind of bleeding into, I guess, I guess entitlement or, or uh, a sense of like it all being about her. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's something that I really liked about the relationship because it was exciting. It was fast paced. It was uh, spontaneous. Yeah, and you say something that's really important because that's why people have a hard time leaving narcissists or they often go back to them because they think back to that wonderful beginning time, that early time when the person was really charming and loving and amazing and big personality and fantastic and and spontaneous, lots of fun. But then the problems really show up and it can be extremely difficult to deal with their manipulation because they'll do whatever they want to get what they want. They don't have regard for other people's feelings because they lack empathy and they thrive off arousing negative emotions in their 
partners or in their business colleagues or, or whomever they are dealing with this. Do you find that your girlfriend um, has a bit of a hissy fit when things don't go her way? Yeah, yeah. Now, now and again, it's it's somewhat inconsistent, but uh, definitely there's been times that something that I think most ordinary, reasonable people would say is a minor issue, like not being able to find parking or like something like that or the, the store being out of a particular type of food that she likes, it, all of a sudden it becomes like a big fiasco and, and then that becomes my evening. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel? Do you feel inferior to her ever? At times, at times I have to say, I leaned a lot on my support network. I've got a great group of uh, friends and family around me and, and they oh. were actually the ones that encouraged me to call in oh. um, because they were saying, you know, I was coming to them feeling very inferior, feeling very, uh, insecure saying, you know, maybe I am the problem. Maybe I'm not being as spontaneous and I'm dragging down the relationship. And they said, you know what? Uh, I think it's the other way around. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of at a place where I'm really, uh, you know, back and, and analyzing it. And, you know, Daniel, your family probably knows you and loves you and know the kind knows the kind of person you are. And they probably see this, that, you know, that you may be dealing with somebody who has narcissistic tendencies. And, and it's a very, very difficult relationship to be in, especially over the long term. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're terrible to deal with and they get worse and worse and they won't care about you. So it's not a back and forth relationship and you'll never be able to change uh, a narcissist. It's a personality trait that's extremely difficult even for them to change. And sometimes the only way to win that game is, is not to play. I hate to say that. Um, but you may start with getting some, some therapy, you know, you know, also know what you want when you're dealing with the narcissist, you, you need to know exactly what it is you want and and you don't want to trust their promises. I mean, there's so many different things, um, different ways to deal with them, but it's also extremely hard and it may or may not be that. So you might encourage her to get some therapy or the two of you go to couples counseling together and to try and deal with it that way. Um, but the, you think that's probably my, my, uh, my best next step forward. I do to talk with her about the possibility of therapy or whatnot. I do the, the, you know, even talking about just gently, you know, outside of the bedroom, not, you know, like at a nice time when she's not, um, that, uh, you know, she's, you know, things are going well and in a very loving way and, you know, start with all the positive things and just say, because you want, you know, the two of you to have a a long relationship and, and, you know, you can talk about how some of your feelings, um, and, you know, narcissists remember care how other people view them. So it's all about their reputation and appearance. So you may want to, you know, utilize some of that as well, that, you know, you want to be seen as a loving couple and, um, but also there may be, it may be anxiety. It may be depression. It may be something else. She may just be spoiled. I mean, (laughs) I have no idea how old, how old she is. (laughs) I don't know how old you are. Um, but this is not something that is different between 22 and 42. You're dealing with the same thing, but thank you so much for the call. And it's a very challenging situation. And feel free to email me if you have any other questions. All right. Thanks, Daniel. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app. Tune in Amazon Alexa HD radio at 101.1 FM HD2 and on the AM dial 980 CKNW.